off my air. Stay off my air. Everybody stay off the air. I got an officer down. 6-3 and bail. Start rolling. Brandon's doing air guitar at the intro. What's up, buddy? Yeah, that's this damn chord gets in the way. It really messes with my with my flow. I keep tripping on mine, and since I'm in my shop, I'm at the end of my big assembly table, so I had to take a DeWalt trigger clamp, <laughs> and I put it on the leg of the table, and then I, <laughs> if I have to get up, I can hang the headphones on the part that's sticking out that only cut me once when I walked past it just a few minutes ago to get some water. Jeez. And I, I looped the cord around it so it's off the, off the ground and it won't pull on me. Innovation at its finest. I like that you have the bandsaw in the background. That's nice. Yeah, with the blue line flag and then half of a pegboard. Uh, yeah. I'd like to have just the bandsaw by Laguna, thank you very much. And yeah. Not sponsored. The flag, not sponsored. So before we get into not it, sponsored Mike Moraza. Not sponsored yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Mike Morazzo. That's Brandon Silvera. This is episode 1818. Are there any gangsters by the name of the 18s where you're at? Uh, no. No. All right. So, good. No correlation with 18s and gangsters. That's a good start right off the bat. <laughs> I feel like shit. I, I, uh, I'm on Benadryl. So, I'm all woozy, which should be fun. This is. And we're going to see Mike in rare form tonight. And very forgetful. But that could be blamed on age. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm not going to lie for a second there. It sounded like you were going to say AIDS. And then I was going to have a whole different line of questioning. <laughs> Wait. Oh. There, there we go. We go. <laughs> yeah, it's the Eddie Murphy AIDS joke from 1983. Whatever. Is that from Eddie Murphy Raw? Delirious, I think, was the first one. What? It's like, what's next? Yeah. You put your dick in and it explodes? <laughs> I saw it Raw uh, live in concert. Really? Yeah. yeah so we went. So Raw is what sent my mom into labor with me. <laughs> she, she was watching she, the video? She was, she was watching the video and laughed so hard she finally went into labor. That's awesome. All right. So welcome to 18. Sounds like you were busy the last few nights at work. What's uh, happened out there by it, you? It's been it's been a busy one. Is so it last night we had um, working at the same time in the city uh, a homicide and a fatal motorcycle crash. So, not combined. No, not combined in in different parts of the city. The guy didn't kill somebody with a motorcycle. No, no, the okay. motorcycle rider died. Well, was he driving one of those Orner donor bikes? Organ donor bikes? Yes. Crotch yes. rockets? Yeah. So okay. it always makes me like not laugh, but it, I find it interesting when like young cops are like hesitant to pronounce somebody dead. Like I, I understand it if it's not because they're not medically trained. No, but we are able to pronounce people dead when there's obvious signs of death. Like your brain is no longer inside your head. That's a clue. Yes. So when they roll up and they put out like, yeah, he might be, uh, they put out like our code for dead because <laughs> uh, there's gray matter. Like, that's one thing and one thing only. And you don't wake up from that. 
just call it. Like I'm not even there. And I'll I'll tell you right now, uh, he's dead. Although you could eat dinner with someone removing some of your gray matter and frying it up in a pan and then feeding it to you like well, Hannibal Lecter did. Well, has. only if you're Ray Liotta, because let's face it, he didn't eat that part of his brain. I think that <laughs> might be true, though. I don't. That part. I, I, I don't know. I don't really want to know, to be honest. <laughs> It's a little there's dark. Some, there's some <laughs> things I just don't want to explore. Like, could I be fed my own brain? Do you think Ray uh, enjoyed that part of the movie? And then they they had to they had to put his head back together right after that movie. Well, after yeah, you got to just I mean, a little CA glue, and that thing would just go right back on. Boom, just like that. Good as new. Good as new. Stitch him up. All right. St- Slap him on the ass. Stitch him up. Put him back Staple in the game. It. You have to put staples in there too. I think. Yeah, you do. But staples not through the skull. Well, not through the skull. Really so work. it's it's got to be. It's gotta Do you be think delicate. you can use a Festool Domino to uh, to join the skull pieces? I I don't think you would get the the proper depth. Like I think might I think not, the mortise would work. be too big. I don't okay. think your skull's thick enough. My skull's definitely thick enough. Well, yeah, that's because you're a Neanderthal. <laughs> Did you go on any of those calls, the bike? No, or that the, was the uh, weird homicide? thing. That was the weird thing. I was sitting there waiting, like, uh, this is going to happen. Like, there's two critical incidents working simultaneously. Like, typically, that's going to deplete the city. The only, I guess, saving grace for not depleting the city was that the homicide occurred um, at the start of swing shift. And then yeah, that's good. the motorcycle crash occurred. Um, towards the end of swing shift. So we were okay. able to at least get resources everywhere. Yeah, and then um, push the motorcycle crash off to the next shift? Yeah, that's a midnighter took that. <laughs> okay. Um, no, the homicide's super sad. Well, not really sad. Well, yeah, it's sad because... Well, all homicides are sad. Yeah. Well, are they, though? Eh, well, not if it's a gangbanger. I'll give you that. I was going to say, there, there was the first homicide I ever went to was a gangbanger that was about to have a warrant issued for his arrest for murder. Was it a Ramey warrant? No. No, it was just you a like good to old... mention those. It was a good old-fashioned arrest warrant. Because Ramey warrants are they're handy. They are. Yeah, they're great. They're a great tool. But you got to use them correctly. Right. Um, so no, what was the homicide it's, about? It, well, it was a 13-year-old. A 13-year-old gang- was killed? Yeah. 13 year old gangster kid from what I've, from what I've heard got into a shootout. Um, and then just all hell broke loose. And then he ended up in the hospital or just ended up going to the hospital from the scene before anyone yeah. got there with a gunshot wound to the chest. And, uh, that's, uh, usually not good. So. Wow. That's definitely not I, good. I do believe they have suspects in custody, but. I'm not a hundred percent because I wasn't, I wasn't there. I don't know a ton. And it's, it's kind of funny. Like people think that, you know, well, this happened in your city. Don't you know every aspect of it? Well, not necessarily. Not if I'm not there. Right. Not um, when my city is very, very, very large. Yeah. And when I, when I'm working on the complete opposite end, uh, that night. So once, once the motorcycle crash happened, I just kind of slowly started working my way. Like, to the very edge of the city. <laughs> yeah. Like I want no part of what's going on over there. Like just, it's my Friday. <laughs> Leave yeah. me alone. I just want to just let me be, <laughs> let me get through the night. And then I'll go 
go enjoy my days off. That's funny. Because it's been like this whole, this last month has just been insanely busy. Like not Too bad you're not training a rookie. I know. That'll be uh, probably within the next couple months because uh, I just dropped off the application today, but they're waiting for people to get promoted before they find out like how many FTOs get promoted and where they're going to need people. So maybe by, yeah, that makes sense. You know, in a few, a few episodes, we might have a whole segment where we're talking about funny recruit stories. <laughs> I have to remember some since I'm so older. Oh yeah. And your department doesn't hire anybody. So you don't get a chance to train people. Guess what? What? When I went into work uh, Tuesday, I was told that the main police and fire commissioner that I've told you about that refuses to hire laterals was outvoted by the mayor and the other commissioner. Two to one. That's awesome. So now you guys are going to start getting some people? It sounds like it, but at first they said that we have to actually hire maybe some one person, one person off the actual new recruit list so it doesn't look really bad that they just did okay. a test to make a list and then only hire one person. But I don't care what the optics are when you can bring in a certified professional police officer that only needs to learn your streets and your software. And he's already got the experience to start jumping right in. There's no, yeah. to me, there's not an argument of why you would bypass a new recruit list to bring in four qualified police officers right off the bat. Yeah. Like I, and I understand the argument of like, well, we want to bring in these guys that, you know, off a new hire list because in theory they'll be with you longer. So it's a, it's, it's a more of an investment for longevity purposes versus if you hire a guy who say got maybe two years left before he retires or, well, or you something can control like that. that. If well, you see someone who's been on the job for 28 years, you're not bringing that guy in. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate with you here, but right. I agree That's with you. That's a great point. I, I think that if you can, I mean, and people don't understand, like most of these FTO programs for a new recruit is going to be a minimum of 16 weeks. Like once they get to the street, right. that's not counting the six month Academy. So, well, we don't have a six month Academy. Well, what, however long the Academy is, right. you're going yeah, to tack on a, a minimum of 16 weeks before they're on their own. And then you have a whole new learning curve that they, yeah. I mean, after 16 weeks, you're still learning things. Yeah. Whereas if you hire a guy with say five, six years on, He's already gone through that learning curve. Like you said, he just has to learn your streets, your your radio lingo, because there is definitely uh, a shorthand how we talk. Yeah. So well, that, all he's got to do though, is that. And like say a month after he's hired or on the street, now he's going. So you've cut that by 75%. Yeah, it's a great asset. So anyways, back to your week. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yesterday was hectic, but thankfully I was in a whole different part of the city, but I had buddies that were going to everything. So I would sit to them, text messages like, man, that sounds bad. Better you than me. That's my saying. <laughs> yeah. So no, but earlier in the week was just, it, it's been busy call after busy call. We had we tried to mediate a breakup uh, between two 
large people in a I don't know how to label these apartment complexes. So they were built with the idea of getting the homeless off the street. So it's like, it's not section eight housing. I feel like it's, it goes beyond that. Like section Um, 10. Yeah. Like just like promise, promise that you'll stop doing drugs. Like that's all you have to do is just promise. You don't have to actually stop, but just if you say you'll stop, We'll give you, you this. House. We'll give you this nice studio apartment. Um, so <laughs> it's these two these two large folks, and um, they've they finally they're gonna call it quits for for this week again. And one of them's like, "Well, fine, I'll leave, but I'm gonna take all the groceries that I just bought." And proceeded. Well, well yeah, they're to, yours. to pack up, like. It was hilarious because if you look at all the stuff that they're in there, I'm like, I know why you weigh almost 400 pounds because you're, you're packing up three gigantic containers of Hawaiian punch powder, like zingers, ding dong, like all the stereotypes. Yeah, seriously. Like all the stereotypical foods that you would think of that would like turn somebody huge. Yeah. Just processed. Just, yeah. Just everything's just processed. So yeah. we finally get her downstairs and we actually help her carry all her groceries down there because we're trying to expedite this and we don't want to be in that building any longer than we have to. Right. Cause it smells just horribly. So we get downstairs. And she's like, Oh, I forgot my sodas. Could you go up and get my sodas? No, I'm not going to get your sodas. I'm going to save, I'm going to save your life. No, I'm not getting your sodas. Call this an intervention. Yeah. I understand comfort food. You're going through a breakup. I get that. But no, we're you just make some Hawaiian punch. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, that's Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and she's, oh, I have my clothes in the back of in the back of her car. OK, fine. Well, we'll ask her. But if she tells us to go pound salt, we're not going to push the issue. You can sue her in civil court. I go, okay, but what do you need out of there specifically? Like, I need specifics. My white basket and green bag. Okay, cool. Tell my buddy, white basket, green bag. He comes back with a white basket. No green bag. And apparently, the green bag was key. Because she it went from shit in it. she went from zero to 60 real fast. <laughs> I need my bag. I need it. all my clothes. Right, right. And she starts scream, like scream crying. But it's one of those, like, you know when a kid throws a temper tantrum, like, just to see if they'll get their way? <sighs> Take a peek at you. No, nope, not getting away. <sighs> yeah. So she's throwing that. She, oh, I want to talk to your sergeant. I'm like, he's going to tell you the same exact thing, that we have no legal reason to go into that car to search for your bag. If you would like to try to ask her later, go for it. But... Like, he's not going to tell you anything that I didn't already tell you. I want to talk to you, sir. Okay, fine. Cool. It's going to take like 15 minutes for him to get over here. And he's going to probably be a little grumpy. <laughs> but fine. We'll, we'll call him. So we call him. Over, and sure, sure enough, he tells her the exact same thing that I had just gotten done. <laughs> My partner had just gotten done. I had just gotten done. We both explained it to her. And then he explained it to her. And then she started scream crying again. <laughs> And finally he goes, okay, well, we're going to leave now. Good luck. 
you know, people don't know that adults act like that. And the guys on my shift went to a domestic like two weeks ago, and I meant to bring it up, but we had so much other stuff going on. So these two that live in an apartment across the street from a restaurant walk over to the restaurant. Restaurant calls. There's a domestic. So those the guys get there, and at one point, the female is laying on the sidewalk, kicking and screaming and vomiting because <laughs> she's not getting her way. And then they, dry, they, they tell them, you know, get away from her, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So they split up. And then they get called back there 15 minutes later, and she's once again on the ground, kicking and screaming, not vomiting this time. And he actually ran up to my partner's squad and just opened the back door to jump in. <laughs> get me away from her. I don't care. Yeah. So then they just took him to his mom's house in town. But people don't realize that adults <laughs> oh, it's... that we deal with act like little kids. And that's an insult to little kids. Yeah, it's I, I've I've told at least one person that this week of like, like speaking with my eighteen month old is more reasonable than talking to you right now. You would think that adults, and I'm using that term loosely, would be able to logically think their way through something. Like you've made it this far in life, like you obviously can put some some things together and and get from A to B, but there are some people, like, we we ended up going to a, uh, what was reported as a fight in the street between, like, two guys in their 20s and it's, like, not, it's not by a bar. So, initially we're thinking, oh, it's a couple of homeless dudes fighting over some meth. <laughs> Bum fight. Yeah. So, like, alright, well, it's one of those things. It's uh, the the person who called it in was a passerby. So it was just somebody on the road that was driving by, saw two people fighting, and was like, I should call the police at, you know, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. So if when it's when it's that kind of thing, you have to kind of weigh, is it really worth, you know, jamming over there to try to break up this fight to when there I maybe have to use force on somebody or you know, something goes sideways, I get hurt, they get hurt. Sometimes you have to let Officer Time handle the call for you. You know, that's so, my side of this. That's what I like doing. Yeah. I mean, it's – and sometimes you need to let it happen. So we we decided we're going to let Officer Time take care of this one for a little bit. You know, give them a couple minutes, get tuckered out. So that way if they do – you know, if they are still there and they do want to get squirrely with us, they're at least tired. <laughs> well, we're fresh. <laughs> Yeah, it gives us an advantage. Yeah, that's something people don't understand. Like cops, like we don't necessarily want to fight, but if we do have to fight, we're not going to fight fair. <laughs> well, that's the rule. Yeah, that's the one rule. There's no fair fighting. So we roll up, and these guys aren't fighting anymore. But we get flagged down by two homeless dudes, and they start pointing to these, like uh, I think they're like Middle Eastern kids in the in this parking lot of a gas station. Like, how can you tell? Well they were speaking Arabic. Ah, I wish I could say yes in Arabic. I don't know what that is. No, I don't know what that is either. Okay. I think yellow is move. That could be Farsi though. I'm not sure. Okay. I never took a class or anything, but I've heard it in movies. So that's gotta be, you know, factual. All movies are factual. Every single so, one of them. Yeah. So we get them separated. Turns out these two idiots are brothers. One's 20, one's 19. It's 3.45 in the morning, and the 19-year-old, it seriously was like talking to a three-year-old. 
Well, he took my dad's car, and I was just trying to get it back, and he went get it back, and he didn't get it through the gates of heaven. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> it really was. Oops. <laughs> it was like a case out of toddler law and order. Uh, so I finally got fed up because when, when people have this like attitude of entitlement and ref- you mean millennials? No, don't no, Don't you lump all of us in to that. <laughs> okay. That's Cause, fair. Cause there are some, like some decent millennials are dealing with some of the issues that your generation left us. So let's not get into generational stuff. Oh, <laughs> and also your generation is responsible for for millennials because y'all raised us. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I like to tell my mom that whenever she complains about millennials, I'm like, well, you raised us. So, oh, my God, these, these are all your policies. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but no, this sense of like entitlement in that I don't need to listen. I know best. And you're an idiot for being here. I don't do well with that. <laughs> so finally. I just put my hand in his face. I say less. Go stand over there. Go talk Not to his brother. Not speak to the hand. Just say less. No, just say less. Say less words because really close to just arresting you for being an asshole. So walk over to his brother. Like, dude, what's the deal? Like, he's... like And both these guys, this is like 3.30 in the morning, right? Dark. The way your pupils should be are pretty big, right? Both of these guys, like pinheads. Okay, like, what are you on? Yeah. I just, just a little weed, smoked a little weed. All right, like, look, we're going to try this again, but this time you're not going to lie to me. I don't care if you're high. I just want to know what you took so I know if you're going to die right now and if I need to get you to the hospital. Truly, do not care. If you want to kill yourself by doing drugs, by all means, go do it. Just do it in the privacy of your own home, not out in the middle of the street where I got to deal with you. So you go, oh, like, okay, like, okay, so what are you on? fentanyl i'm oh, sorry God. you said what now what? okay now i care a little bit <laughs> right don't touch me first <laughs> yeah of all. Don't, one get away from me yikes two get let's get an ambulance here I go, what is your brother on fentanyl oh my god bless it like cool 19 20 years old you're all both already on fentanyl so the long and short of it is we're able to get their their aunt over there and i told both these guys i go look you're both adults. You don't have to go to the hospital. I would recommend going because you both are idiots and you're, you're using fentanyl. I go, but here's the thing. I can't just leave you out here if you're high. So I'll either have to arrest you or we'll have to call mommy and daddy. And I'm going to tell them that you guys are both on fentanyl. So whatever you want to do. And these guys are idiots. They both decided to not go to the hospital. <laughs> so we get a hold of an aunt who's on the phone with mom. I grab the phone out of the hand. I go, Hey, your sons are on fentanyl. Good luck with that. Click. <laughs> I go, cool. So mom knows, um, get in the car. <laughs> so finally got them in the car after some very heated negotiations that involved pulling out the handcuffs and going her car or mine. Take your pick. Yeah. You get bracelets tonight. It's a gift. Yeah. You can go in her car. You can go in my car. Her car is way more comfortable. Mine has really hard plastic seats. And when you make really hard turns, you slide from one end to the other. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. So they they eventually got in the car and we just told the aunt to start screaming at him the whole way home. 
So and, and I then wonder if she even gave a shit. No, she didn't. They're not her kids. Yeah. They're not her problem. I don't blame her. Right. Yeah. So we had that. We had a kid brandish a knife at a Papa John's. Like, and then uh, he wasn't getting his sandwich fast enough or pizza. Papa John's well, is pizza. I, yeah, Papa John's is pizza. So I guess he got into a fight with somebody or an argument with somebody. And the guy that he challenged to a fight, he didn't do a very good job of checking the ears. Because if he had checked the ears, he would have seen the cauliflower ear and gone, hmm, maybe, oh, I boy. Should, maybe I shouldn't get into this fight. Maybe I'm going to be a punching bag. Yeah, so uh, he got his ass kicked. And uh, once the guy went inside after he was done kicking his ass, he pulled out his knife and was like, let's go. Let's go again. <laughs> oh, my God. God, you're stupid. So we find him walking down the street. It's funny. As long, he, as, he, as long as he doesn't say, I can do this all day. <laughs> I ain't hear no bell. Steve Rogers, man. That's Steve yeah, Rogers. I know. I know. And then I was bringing it over to yeah. South Park too. So we, it's funny. We find him and then he looks at me. He goes, I, I know you. What? Yeah. I think you arrested me last time. I went, last time. Yeah. He goes, I, I go, well, then you're obviously not very good at this. You should consider a career change, buddy. So it's, I think it's hilarious whenever, like people recognize you. Like, ah, oh, man, you again? Yeah. yeah, it's me again. What'd you think it was gonna be somebody different? But his buddy's story was great. So it because it changed several times, and I love to be able to add the phrase uh, in my reports. It should be noted because if I say it should be noted, it means that I'm about to be really sarcastic about everything. I think you just challenged me to make sure I put that in one of my reports. Oh, you have to. It's great. So like this one was like, it should be noted. So-and-so statement changed several times during the course of the interview. Because at first it was like, well, we were over at this one supermarket and I got hit by a car. And then we found the car over at Papa John's. And we were like, like yeah, we were going to fight the guy. And then, you know, then we, he kicked our ass. And then we, we all went our separate ways. To then finally like, well... This guy like started beefing with my friend. They started fighting. He started kicking my friend's ass. So then I stepped in because, you know, he's little. He's getting his ass kicked. But then but then when I stepped in, like he started kicking my ass. So I, I, I feared for my life. So I asked my buddy for the knife. But he didn't give me the knife. You know, an option is to just walk away. Yeah. I just want to put that out there for anybody that's listening. Yeah. You can always just kind of let it go. Or at the very least, pick your fights, man. Like just size somebody up. And then be honest with yourself. Do I have a chance? Do I have, am I drunk? Yeah. Does he have cauliflower ear? <laughs> he may just be a really good wrestler, he, so just don't he, get on the ground. Yeah. Well, a, a good wrestler is going to immediately take you to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're not going to have a say in it. So that was, that was pretty much my week. That was the fun and exciting calls for my week. And there was lots of nuisance calls of just homeless people being homeless. No more bum fights. Well, I'm sure there were bum fights, but we didn't go to them. You guys had no admission to the other bum fights. No, no. We usually try to avoid them. <laughs> you should record that shit and put it on YouTube. Well, yeah, but it gets taken down. I know. <laughs> then, I, then I'd probably have to deal with a lawsuit, probably lose my job. Right. Don't you do not need any of that crap. So, that was your week. It was busy. Let's see. So, our town is next to a major airport. 
in town. See, my town has a major airport in town. That's nice. I guess ours used to be where the airport is used to be our town. Oh, cool. When I was a part-timer there in the late 80s, pause for your laughing. There you go. I see you <laughs> chuckling. Um, our patch, it had a picture of like cornfields and a plane, and it either said from plowshares to jet fields. I think that's what it said, from plowshares to jet fields. I think that Chicago bought the land to build O'Hare there. And because O'Hare is on my western border, there are certain streets that belong to Chicago because they have to have, they technically have to have a connection to the airport for it to be considered Chicago. Yeah. So they have annexed some streets to get there. We used to share a business park with them, also with the town just to the north of us. It was Chicago and then our, our two towns. But there's a restaurant in town that on that side of the street is Chicago. On my side of the street is our town, but behind the restaurant is the next town. Just that half the street is Chicago because it goes towards the airport, you know? So we have an agreement with these departments, with Chicago's. We have a major intersection. It's one of the largest, most deadliest intersections in the state. There's always a ton of crashes there. And if you're going west out of town, you get to this intersection with runs north and south. If you go through the intersection and once you get through the other side and continue westbound along the airport, that's all CPD. They handle that, even though some of it's still our town. North or south of the intersection is our town. We've taken over the north side just recently because it used to be Chicago's, but now we've taken all of that. And anything east of the intersection is ours. Anything in the middle of the intersection, once you cross that white stop line, if you go past the white stop line, it's Chicago. And it's a bad intersection. We've got tons of crashes. We even had an armored car get rolled over with money flying out all over the place, which was a fun call. How much did you make so, on that call? I can't tell you. <laughs> all the bills are marked. So none, just for anybody that's listening. I don't, you know. But I did get to set up a perimeter as people were trying to steal bills that were floating around in the air. So this time, <laughs> on Thursday night, that's my zone for the night and my beat, and I get a call of a rollover crash at this intersection, and I'm like, oh, shit. And they tell me CPD's already on scene. I'm like, oh, well, let's see. Cool. As I'm driving there, you know, lights and sirens, I'm thinking, let's hope this is in the intersection. Yeah. And not just short of the white line. Come on, be over the limit line. Yeah. So I get there. The car is flipped over in the intersection, maybe by hmm, 25 feet. Yeah, it's good enough. The second car that's involved is beyond the white line, eh, maybe 25 feet. I see no skid marks where the car might have been pushed, you know. I still don't know how it happened. So there's two female Chicago cops on scene. They happen to be getting coffee at the Duncan right next door <laughs> to start their shift when it happened on their way back to the airport. So she says, is this ours or yours? And I said, oh, this is definitely yours. Look, there's the white <laughs> line. Here's the cars. She's like, really? I go, oh, yeah, clearly yours. Where'd the impact happen? 
I don't know, but look, they're so both worry cars about that. are look, they're the right, line. They're right here. It's yours. Yeah. Just, just take, don't question it. Just go with it, okay? Just be so cool. two Hispanic drivers, so we need um, a translator. Because me, no bueno espanol. No good Spanish. So my partner on my shift, is he speaks Spanish. So he starts talking to the guy who got hit, whose car is just sitting, you know, still in the same place. Apparently, this guy's driving northbound. We have a red light camera there. Do you guys have red light cameras? Yeah, but they're not monitored. Okay. So these are active red light cameras that send tickets to people. Oh, yeah. No, we don't have those. There was a bunch of um, lawsuits in California contesting those. And, they were uh, here, too. And they were still up. They were upheld, so they don't, they don't use them anymore. They All right. Up, well, they were losing money in litigation, then... They were making off the tickets there. It was cost effective. Just go, fine, we're not doing it. Sure. Ours are still functioning. So one of the CPD guys says, you mean to tell me that if I run that red light, because turning right eastbound onto the main street, there's a camera there, that even though I'm in Chicago, I'm going to get a red light ticket. And I said, well, no, because you'd be past the white line, because it doesn't go on until you go past the white line. Then it would be us and you'd get it that's what triggers the camera right yeah so this driver who's in lane three which was there's three lanes so where he was at two left-hand turn lanes then a lane 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 two right-hand turn lanes he's continuing northbound so he's in the third northbound lane all the way to the right car right behind him light starts cycling to 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 red he's already passed in my opinion he's passed the white line but he doesn't want to get a ticket So he slams on his brakes. So girl behind him, she can swerve at the last minute to the left. The right front corner of her car hits the left rear of his car and just flips the SUV and rolls it. Chicago already got him out of the car, the two females that were in the car that flipped upside down. So my buddy who's running the shift comes up to me and says, this is yours, right? And I said, no, no, slow down. First of all, shut your mouth. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Shut your pie hole. I think I've got Chicago convinced it's actually theirs. And then more Chicago come out, right? So this old grizzled veteran comes up to me, 28-year veteran on the force, and he goes, hey, who's this? He had a cigar in his mouth, didn't he? (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Damn it. Cool tattoos, though. I said, because our old timers, they all have cigars. Okay. He says, uh, whose is this? He goes, and he predicates it by saying, I'm not the paper car, so I don't give a shit. That's what he says to me. <laughs> he goes, I just came out to the airport. This is a new assignment for him because he's retiring next year. And I go, oh, well, it's yours. And here come, I go, what time do you guys start? And he goes, well, we're supposed to be off right now. And the two guys that showed up for paper call, they're supposed to be getting off work. Mm, and now they're going to get stuck. Suck. Yeah. So... I've trying, clearly got them convinced. Yeah, you're just trying to put money in their pockets. Right. You, Here's you some more time for you. Yeah, you care care about their well-being. They want to put their kids through college. It's fine. Right. So now we're waiting to clear the intersection because it's it's only 1030, and it's, it's a major busy intersection. So two tow trucks show up. Soliciting tows in Illinois is like prostitution. Same charge, actually. <laughs> you cannot drive around in a tow truck and solicit business. It's illegal. Huh. Now, Chicago, on the other hand, they go like this. I'm putting my hands over my eyes. No see, don't care. I don't say because 
when they get a crash in an intersection in the city, their main concern is clearing that intersection first. So they'll tell these tow truck drivers that show up to poach tows, sure, go ahead, pull it off the side of the road, but they won't let them take it. They'll let them hook it, and then it's up to the driver of the car, the owner, if they want said tow truck company. So we don't do it that way. But since this is their crash now, here come two poachers, tow yeah. truck drivers, like sharks in the water when they smell blood. Well, they're probably listening to a scanner. Oh, they definitely are. So my one partner goes, get the fuck back in your tow truck. You're not taking these cars. So they, they walk away and they go sit in their tow truck. They don't leave, though. They're blocking a turn lane because they're idiots. <laughs> so I'm still talking with this old timer Chicago guy. Now we've, we've convinced everyone that it's theirs. They're handling it, which I'm a big relief for me. So the two women are in the ambulance. And now we're just waiting for these wreckers to come. And the airport has some amazing, beautiful tow trucks, like top-of-the-line stuff. But the Chicago cop says they show up with these two big wreckers. And he goes, this should be interesting. Because now they have to flip this car back on its wheels, right? It's completely upside down. So I go, what do you mean? Because we have a guy, the tow truck company we use is, they're awesome. They're fantastic guys. And they really know what they're doing. He goes, let me tell you a secret about these tow truck drivers. Um, If you work in the city and you're not good at your job, say you're a police officer and you keep doing things wrong, or you're a firefighter and you burn shit down on accidents, or you're a garbage (laughs) truck driver and you keep smashing into cars, they go, they come up to you and they go, "Um, yeah, you can't be a police officer anymore, so we're going to make you a tow truck driver at O'Hare Airport. (laughs) He goes, these guys have no fucking idea what they're doing. And sure enough, they ended up they having to stab the scorpion tail into the side of the car and then lift it up. You know, they finally get it off, up and over. But watching them after hearing that makes total sense to me. Because <laughs> they're not really tow truck drivers. They've been reassigned to the city at O'Hare to drive a tow truck. And there's a complete difference. So anyways, they handle that, and I was very happy. And I had to keep, I told the guys around me, I'm like, hey, when CPD walks up to you, go like this where you're putting your hand up and you're like acknowledging someone that's on the far side of the intersection and then just walk away and go to that side of the intersection. They'll think that you got, you got to go talk to somebody else. Don't let them talk you back into taking this crash. (laughs) So the guys were like, yeah, we're on it. All right. So we did that. And then we get a call of a, a drunk female on the lawn of someone's house. And the first thing my, my buddy drew says, God damn it. It's what's her name? The homeless lady. Oh no. So not the chronic trespasser. Yeah, so that's what we're thinking. We're we start uh driving looking for her on the block. Now, I'm looking for some old gray, blonde haired homeless person, right? I get to the hundred block where I'm supposed to be, and it's really dark. And I got my takedown lights on, my scene lights and my alley lights, I'm looking for addresses, and I see this young brunette chick just sitting in the lawn somewhere, and I'm like as I'm driving by, I go, well, that looks weird. And I keep going. <laughs> and Drew stops because Drew's like, this must be the person. Where the fuck's Mike going? He's just, he continues to keep on driving. <laughs> so I realize because I see Drew stop behind me, and I'm like, shit, that, that's her. So I turn around. This girl's sitting in the lawn. She's hammered. I said, uh, you know, what are you doing here? What? I got robbed. No, I got didn't. robbed. They no, took didn't. my phone. 
-uh. They took my stuff. You're a liar. I said, really? Can you explain the offenders? I don't know, black guys. Well, that's racist. Yeah, it is. So I'm like, oh, well, can you describe them? Where'd you see them? What happened? All that stuff. And she's like, I don't know. I, they, they drove me here. So she's telling us this whole story. <laughs> Robbed by two black guys who drove her three blocks this way and dumped her out of the car and took her shit. So we get another call, and I have to leave. So Drew stays. They end up, I said, let's bring her to the station before I took off, and we'll figure it out at the station. So they, Drew brings her in. And then I go to this other call. And then uh, one of the other guys starts helping out with Drew. And they start going over her story. And Drew goes back to the area. And she said she was staying at one of the hotels in town. Well, we have 13 hotels. Now, we don't have a big city like you, but because we have the airport, a lot of yeah. hotels for yeah, you have our a ton. little town. So she starts saying something about she was at this hotel. So Drew actually walks the path from that hotel, which is the wrong name she gave us. But he just figured it was this one that was three blocks away. And on said sidewalk, while he's walking, phone, purse, change, like she was doing breadcrumbs, like if you're in a maze and you just <laughs> drop breadcrumbs, the change led all the way up to her where she was sitting. So it turns out she was at this hotel, at the bar, hammered, being loud, being racist. So some people that were in the lobby, the hotel said, you got to go. So she says she's calling an Uber. She walks outside. A black couple's pulling in in their car because they're coming to the hotel. She walks up to the car, tries to get in because she thinks it's an Uber. Oops. So they have, a, they have an exchange. They're having, like, get the fuck out of my car. What are you doing? Though, that must have been the, uh, the people she was talking about that she was arguing with. The, the robbery. The robbery. <laughs> Air quotes. So it turns out she wasn't robbed. She was just a drunk fuck loser who got lost and then dropped her shit on the road and wanted to blame some black people because she's a racist. So they, you know, they figured that out and got her the hell out of there. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. And then uh, Tuesday night, huge storms out here. Like eight tornadoes touched down. Jeez. At one point, I'm on the phone with my friends out west who I worked for, you know, the other police department. And because there was a, a report that a touchdown occurred out there. So I text a group of them. Hey, you guys, how you doing? Worried about you. So my buddy who was working at the time, two of my friends were working, Cheryl and Alex, and they each spotted a tornado. And I was laughing because you and I were just speaking about yeah, tornadoes, tornadoes and police officers <laughs> having to be spotters because they can't trust anybody else. And they each spotted one. And at one point, we're in this group text, myself and five of the officers out there three of whom are still working at the time we're texting and two of them are sitting next to each other, but it's coming down so hard. They can't talk to each other from car to car. So they're texting in our, <laughs> in our group text. I've been there. Hi Cheryl. Hi. Yeah. That's so right. In sideways. The, you don't want to put your window down. Right. It was pretty scary. The weather was very scary. So right at the beginning of the shift at like seven ten, I get the call of a downed power line or something like that. And I'm like, damn it. So I haven't had coffee. Because it's mm. only 7.10. So I cruise over there, and I'm thinking, well, you know, if it's a blown... First, I think they said blown transformer. There's nothing okay, you can do fine. with a blown transformer. It's on a pole. Yeah, I don't you need just to be block there. traffic. You don't even have to do that, because nothing's yeah. hanging or anything. So I show up, and it's a, it's a fucking down wire that's live that started a fire in the tree. 
and it came down. So part of it's on the street, like where you park cars, maybe six feet out in the street. The other part of it is blocking a whole intersection. It's draped down across a side street. They're, these are actually two side streets. So north of the east-west street is blocked from this power line that came down. So I got I parked my squad right there, and it's pouring. I'm like, I'm stuck here now, and now I'm here because now there's a live wire down. I can't let anybody go near it. So the fire department comes out. They start using their caution tape, and I had posted mm -hmm. some pictures on my Instagram stories. They yeah. actually taped up my squad <laughs> while I was in it because I wasn't getting out of the car, and it's pouring. One of the guys yeah. got out his full bunker gear on. He's roping off <laughs> the area, and he ropes Mike, off are, my squad. Why are you milking that call? I can't. I'm yeah. taped in. I'm taped in. So I have to wait for the power company, and then I put an over or under up on my stories of how many idiots would try and drive past me under a power line, park on a power line, and the over-under was two. Oh, I took the, the actual. Over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The actual number was probably about 11. Oh, yeah. That's... At so many points, this old Polish lady, it's eh, so no problem. She shows up. <laughs> she's, okay. gonna, she's trying to get between my squad and a downed wire. She's trying to get... And I'm like, blasting the air horn and the sirens, and she's just looking at me, and I get out of the car. I'm like, what are you doing? I live right there. I go, yeah, I get it. Don't die going to your house. Can you I, just please? I just need to go. Just right, right. Just right there. Just everybody there that came lives on that, and it's a dead end street. You can't yeah. get to the end of it coming any other way. So I told her, please look. This is what's going on. Park right there. And I told her, when you go to walk down your block, you have to go around my squad where it's all safe and roped off, and then back up. She gets out of her car. I'm in my car now because it's pouring. She walks right across the street and steps over the power line that's down on the ground. And I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. Thank God she didn't, you know, get bit. So that would have been both tragic and hilarious. Yeah. I I got that call at seven twenty ish. I didn't pull off till one fifteen in the morning. Jeez. Power companies are are so slow to respond out to those well, things. Oh, hold on now. I'm not going to bash the power company that I've worked well, for twice yeah. and we'll be going back to. But we Don't had, worry, I'll we do had, it for you. <laughs> no, we had seven tornadoes. Yeah, no, I get it. They're busy. Just any time I've gone to anything where we had to call for the, the power company to come out, out here it's PG&E, yeah. okay, which right. is its own thing that uh, I could rail against for hours on end. Yeah. Because they're the reason that my state burns every year. <laughs> Uh, that along with government mismanagement. But either way, it takes them forever to get their on-call team out there. Normally with our guys, and I'm going to say the power company name, it's ComEd, Commonwealth Edison. These guys are on point. They're quick. Uh, there is a ComEd yard six miles south of me. So they're usually really quick to get there. But when it's a storm like that, they have uh, storm protocols at ComEd where all, every single management person in the entire company, which is thousands, is on storm duty, and you're on call. And then as soon as they see a storm you coming said duty. in, duty, <laughs> you have to go to your assigned space, and everyone has a particular job in that, you know, duty. So, so they came finally, and uh, they strung it back up, you know. And then the whole neighborhood was allowed without power, and even when I left at seven in the morning. But before I left, unfortunately, we got the call on the north side of town, which was still my zone, my beat that two male blacks and a female black were trying doorknobs on cars, door handles. We have a lot of car break-ins and burglaries from automobiles, from people leaving their cars open and stuff. So we get a call that these three are trying to get in car doors. 
they give a very good description of three people. I get sent to some stupid carbon monoxide alarm, and I'm like, all right. I roll on that. The whole rest of the shift goes up and looks for these people. As soon as the fire department gets by me, I said, listen, I got to go on this other call. Can you clear me? They're like, yeah, just go. I'm like, all right. So I zoom up there. Drew, shit magnet, he's, he finds these people. Why do you, why do, you do that? I don't know. They, they had left the area. They were walking northbound. They would have walked right into the next town within a half a block. And Drew goes, I, I spot them, you know, 5,700 block of the street. So second car is there, third car is there. I pull in, I pull onto the 5600 block and it's one way north and they're at the far north side. And I pull up behind like three other squads and I think, wait a minute, if they start running north, there's no one up there that can stop them, you know? So I back out, go around, I drive north on the southbound street and come around. They don't see me because I'm all blacked out and I pull over to the curb and I'm walking up behind the female. There's only two people. There's a male black and a female black. And they're both preoccupied with the three officers who they're talking to. And she's recording. I ain't got to tell you shit, bro. I'm just walking, bro. And she goes, I ain't, I ain't telling you shit. And then she leaves. Yeah, Brandon's holding up his phone towards the camera. Exactly. She turns around to leave. I'm standing right there. She bumps into me. I go, you ain't going anywhere, sis. Give me your name. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't need to give you my name. And who that's called where on you're me? wrong. And guess what? Mike didn't play games this time. Mike just hooked her up right away. Now you're getting, now you're arrested. I'm not playing games. I have no idea if you were burglarizing cars, but the fact that you're not cooperating and we're, we're doing a regular investigation or, you know, an actual essential investigation, you're under arrest. And then she calls me bro like 1,600 times. Big neck tattoo, part of a gang. Did it say the bro? kid. No, but it was like, oh, FTF. FTF for the, for the family. I guess this is a... A gang thing. Oh, for, for me, familiar. Yeah, Drew told me because he knows the gangs and stuff. On the, she's from the south side. So, she a socks fan? I hope not. She wasn't wearing a socks <laughs> hat. So, uh, actually, Inglewood neighborhood. So it's a really bad neighborhood. Inglewood. Inglewood's in the house. So we hook her up. I, I think Danny, his eyes got big when he saw me just throw cuffs on her. I wasn't fucking around. I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> Normally, oh, I could talk with anybody. Shit. Yeah. I'm like, nope, now you're arrested. And it's my call. I, I took it over as soon as I showed up because it was in my zone. I wasn't going to stick it with one of the other guys, you know. The kid's 16. He ain't giving his shit out. So when he sees me hook up the chick, he goes, I'm with her. I'm 16. And then he promptly tells my other partner his name because he was withholding that. So he's out curfew violation. Although she's 18, she could be considered a guardian if they're out and about. Contributing, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, it sounds like. Yeah. So, I love throwing that, that charge around. Yeah. Well, I don't use it often. And I do. At this point, I wanted this. She had a backpack with her, you know, and I want to make sure there's no proceeds from any of the vehicles in the area. So we get her to the station and I check her backpack. She's got like warm French fries and a bag, <laughs> chips, you know, nothing of any value whatsoever. Well, these are perishable. These can't be booked in for safekeeping. Bye. We didn't have any complainant. This was a person who wanted to be anonymous. Oh, I okay. hate those. I hate those. Right. So Dan decides he's going to play super cop on my call and just start <laughs> running plates. And he starts looking at all the cars and he sees one car that's locked, but the center council is open and there are coins strewn 
threw out the passenger compartment. So he calls it into dispatch and asks for the information and see if they've got contact information. And we're already at the station, the, the three of us and this, these two people. And I looked at one of my buddies. I go, what's Dan doing? He's trying to solve your case. I'm like, fuck that. This is my call. Stop that shit. <laughs> so he calls me. He finds the person, the owner, makes contact with the owner. They come outside. They said, yeah, I def- definitely didn't leave my car like that. What was taken was a Victoria's Secret tote bag and some french cleaning fries? supplies. and No, no french fries. Damn. Office supplies and cleaning supplies. Hmm. None of which of any of that stuff is on my two people that we brought in. Well, so I'm like, all right, we're just, we're just going to cut her, you know, cut them, get them out of here. We have to call mom for the 16-year-old. So we get him out, and then mom comes to pick him up. So that's what we were dealing with, and then that's it. I, I did work my part-time security gig on uh, Sunday night. I went into work at a convention center, and I was going to be guarding $110 million worth of coins. Yeah, you were going to be with the, uh, with the coin nerds. Coin nerds, a couple of Brinks security guys, and some retired police officers from Florida. Oh, cool. So I, I check in at the where we check in, and my name's on the list, and then this other police officer comes in. I don't know him. He's going to work the detail as well. And he gives his name, and they look at it. They're like, uh, dude, you're not on the book. He's like, what? I'm supposed to be here, 8 to 8. So while they're trying to figure out his shit, I just walk to my post, check in, meet everybody. And then my phone rings like three minutes later. It's my boss, not my police department boss, my security boss. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, you all settled in? I said, yeah. He goes, hey, uh, I'm an idiot, and I overbooked, so would you like, you can go home, or you can stay, because you're, you know, you're the person that was on the list. I'm like, no, dude, I'll go home. I don't <laughs> I'll, need money I'll that leave. bad. I got to edit a podcast. I'll get out of here. <laughs> so I went back last night, and I worked the midnight till 7 a.m. this morning shift. At the convention center, you can imagine it like a, a ballroom. And there's like four sets of big doors. So I first get to this place. I have no idea where I'm supposed to be. I go upstairs. I go downstairs. I go back to the post I was at the other day. No one knows where I'm supposed to be. I get there like 10 to 12. It's already 10 after 12, and I'm not at my post. I finally bump into the guy who I'm supposed to leave. He goes, Mike, you're supposed to be down this hall. Down, Go down this dark, scary hallway. Make a right. <laughs> I'm like, there's no lights on down there. He goes, yeah, don't worry. You got a gun. Just go. I don't, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Bullets don't work on monsters. Everyone knows that. Yeah. It, ghosts, it's just going to go right through them. Right. Slimer. Bullets don't work on Slimer. Yeah. And you don't so have I the check Ghostbuster in. pack, so yeah. it's just not safe. Not safe. I make it through the darkness. I get to the room. There's two old old dudes in there, and uh, they're both very quiet. So I introduce myself to both of them, and then they lock the door behind us, and the one one guy says right off the bat, all right, man, so uh, you can set up anywhere you want. There's like 40 cameras in there on the tables because they pull out coins in the morning, put them on the tables, and every mm-hmm. camera is facing you know, the coin set. He's like, uh, soon I'll be dimming the lights because <laughs> these fucking guys are going to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, thank, all right, dude, that's thank cool. Thank God. That, yeah, no, don't I thought me. this was going to turn into a totally different yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> he lit some candles in an incense. And then he's he's put on some Barry White, and he goes, I'm dimming the lights. We're going to have some fun. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm at my little table. I bring out my computer. I I worked on the rundown for the show tonight, which I you know forgot to email you. And then uh, <laughs> it, it at like 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning, one of them was, he had his eyes closed. He's resting. 
or was he deep in thought or prayer? He could have been either. And I started talking to the other guy. And I felt bad because guy one has his hoodie over his head. And he's like trying to nod out, you know. And here's this guy, me, making conversation with the other guy. <laughs> so we start talking. And they're both retired New York State corrections officers. So they worked in the state jails. Say, so they went to jail every single day. They Yes, they worked at Sing Sing. You know, I mean, they worked in these big prisons. One of them's been, re- they've both been retired for like 15 or 16 years, which is cool because, as you know, a lot of times when guys retire from our field, they die. They don't last long, yeah. No. So not only are these guys lasting long, the guy who was going to nod out, he owns the security company that was hired out by this, um, you know, company to watch the coins. When he retired and formed this company, he called the other guy and asked him, hey, you're retired, why don't you work for me? The only drawback was the guy, the main guy I was talking to, his name, his nickname is also Batman. So everyone knows that I'm actually Batman. And now he's saying he's Batman. So we get in this conversation. He's got a company. I I told him I would plug it. He's on Instagram. His company is called X Ring Master. X Ring Master. It's xringmaster.com. He's a master instructor and a technical advisor for movies. He does tactical training, and he's been doing it for a very long time. He used to be a range. He used to run a range for the county that he worked in for the sheriff's department, and now he instructs movie stars and TV stars in how to use weapons. And he's shown me some of his home videos and some of the guys. One of the guys just... One of the main guys that he trained just got the new NCIS uh, show that's just coming out. I think oh, it's cool. Hawaii. Yeah. So, you know, we got the talking. I just wanted to give them a quick shout-out because they were very cool guys. So, Naquan right Murphy and uh, Devrin Purdue, uh, cool dudes. And I started talking to them about, you know, the podcast, of course, and then Instagram. I sold them each a flag, and one of the guys wants to buy the uh, Louisiana Who Dat Saints plaque I made. Oh, nice. So I'm going to make a new one for him because his wife's a huge. She's from New Orleans, and she's a huge Saints fan. So he saw that on my page and said, oh, my God, I need one of these. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always selling. Yeah. And Always be selling. Always be selling. So we, we exchange information and stuff, but I had just told them I was speaking with JP of Thin Blue Line Radio and what his podcast is about about mental health for police officers and stuff, and that we were doing 9-11 tribute that I'll be on. And these two guys actually worked 9-11. They were down at the site. They were doing rescue and recovery and then just recovery. For weeks, they worked down there. And, you know, one of the guys, Nikwan, said that he had gone through I think it was four or five pairs of boots in a week because it was so hot. Well, as they're walking around on all that rubble, it was melting their boots. So army supply, army surplus stores were just giving the cops and first responders and whoever was helping boots, boots by the ton, just giving them to them to help. And, you know, they, they said so much stuff that they saw. One of them can't drive to the city 
he has to take it. He lives in New Jersey and he has to take a, the bridge in every day and he can see the area. One of them still swears anytime he's in that area, he smells the burning flesh. Yeah. No, that's... no one else in his family can. And the other officer won't even go anywhere. He won't take the same bridge in anymore where he has to see it. He, he hasn't been down to uh, ground zero since it happened. And I guess the mayor, I think the mayor, he, he said that any police officer coming down there, and I don't know if this is just for the museum part, if you go see it, but you're not allowed to carry a weapon there, down there. And he's like, wait a minute. I stood over this rubble for weeks with the rest of my brothers and sisters armed. And now if I come to visit, I can't carry my weapon with me? What the hell is I, that all about? I, th I think, and I'm supposing I don't have any sort of insight to back this up. I could see the concern with guys who maybe just can't shake those images, those demons that do go there and say, this is where, you know, this is where my soul died. This is where I'm going to die. And then you don't want this to kind of be a, a place where folks go and commit suicide. suicide. Right. So I, 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 if, if that's where it's coming from, then I kind of get it. But yeah, just on the surface, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. He, he took that personally because of the work he did down there. Yeah. With his, with his other first responder family, you know, the people that didn't even know. You want me to strap on a gun and go search for bodies after a plane hit a building, but you won't trust me to come back, you know, with a weapon. So anyways, yeah. um, I had a very candid talk with them. And it's funny because I'm going to be on that. And you, we're going to be on JP's podcast. And it's just going to be about 9-11. And it really did mess me up for weeks. I was depressed. But I didn't do that stuff. Yeah. So I felt like an asshole. Talking yeah. to these guys. Well, it, it hits everybody differently, too. I'd, I'd say 9-11 is probably the most, one of, maybe not the most, one of the most defining moments of my life. And I was completely on the other coast in, in high school. So, Yeah, so uh, that was my um, week at work, you know, mixture of off-duty and on-duty stuff. You got to lead it's... with your stuff that can maybe take it to a sad route. And then finish with your funnier things, because this is like two weeks in a row now. We're like, all right, well, that was that was my week, so. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, like, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> okay, so next I'll time. Start I'll start calling save, you Eeyore. I'll, Eeyore. <laughs> I'll save the funny thanks stuff for, for last next time. Thanks yeah. for asking. <laughs> so I have just, you know. Two real quick news things. We want to make this short. I'm not even going to... Well, one of them's tied to the fallen officer thing. So real quick, we have a, a police department that is in our district that comes to our courthouse because it's right next door to the courthouse. We go to court up in a city named Rolling Meadows. And then right next door to Rolling Meadows is a town called Mount Prospect. They have the coolest arm patches I've ever seen on any... Well, other than there's a town called Sleepy Hollow here, and they have the Headless Horseman on their patch. Oh, that's pretty dope. Which is... It's very dope. I'm actually doing a flag for my buddy who worked there, and that'll be on the flag, so it's really cool. 
See if you can uh, get me one of those patches, because now I want that. <laughs> well, I actually need one as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if we can get one. So the Mount Prospect trustees voted four to three against on Tuesday night, or four. They're going to eliminate this patch. This is the whole thing. If you go onto the website, oh, you can see the patch. Okay. So it's the state of Illinois in the middle. Behind it, above it is police and big gold letters, and then behind it is the blue line flag, the thin blue line flag. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking awesome patch. That looks awesome. Yeah. So the board was outvoted four to three, and now they have to get rid of this patch because of all this fucking bullshit that's going on with people saying that the thin blue line is racist. And I just want to bring up a few of the things that the chief said real quick. And one of the trustees who voted to get rid of the patch said, I support our police department. Mount Prospect does not exist in a vacuum. We are influenced by events and actions outside of our town. When our symbol meanings change, we must adapt to better serve our customers, all of the people of Mount Prospect. And the chief and the mayor spoke up against her and actually discussed what our thin blue line flag means right so uh, the mayor said that the uh, police are under siege across the country because of horrific actions by a few bad cops and this department is made up of some of the finest women and men that honor their fallen colleagues through wearing this patch that's what the patch is all about and what and who defines when something has been co-opted is the uh, is a matter of opinion and public perception he believes that the original intent is very important, what the patch stands for. And he supports keeping the patch. This is the chief. Because he believes it's intended and its true meaning is affixed to the police officers to honor the fallen. And it's still a valid and important today as it was when it was originally designed. And then they go on to describe what the thin blue line flag represents and why it was meant to be. You know, it's us against chaos, and that's the thin blue line that separates chaos and, you know, and, and good. So if you get a chance to read the article, it's interesting. The patch is phenomenal. And just once again, we have a bunch of fucking jelly bellies bowing to uh, media and certain groups when they shouldn't have to. So that's the one thing I wanted to touch on. Yeah, I don't, and then, uh, I don't know where people are getting this notion that it represents hate speech or racism or... Anything like that. I don't, I don't understand where that's coming from. Right. And someone brought up the fact that they saw one of those assholes that stormed the Capitol carrying that flag. And the chief goes, I saw them carrying regular American flags, too. Should we fucking ban that flag? Uh, don't give them It's that got idea. nothing to Come do on, with the chief, flag. Chief, pump the brakes. You're going to put <laughs> no, ideas I, in their head. Yeah. I, applaud, I applaud you for being one of the few people to, like, one of the few administrative leaders or at at the command level that's willing to push back, but let's not go putting ideas in people's heads. Cause right. All a right. lot of these people are very unreasonable. <laughs> that's why everyone's bending to them. Bend the knee, bend the knee. So that is our short news story of the week, which will lead us up to our fallen officers. Yeah. Of See, it's week. kind of a combo of, 
news story, fallen officer, badass. They're all intermingled. Right. I didn't check OMDB today. OMDB. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, officer you nailed Bell it. Memorial page. I thought Good I job. said IMDB. Nope. Um, nope. Because I've been so fixated on the one police officer that was murdered this week because she's from Chicago. Yeah, well, and it, the manner in which it happened, too, is one of those that kind of grips all of us. I was thinking about this the other day. There is no other profession where, and this goes for the military as well, because there were plenty of military members that passed away while I was in, uh, whether it was KIA or, or suicide or whatever, and it wasn't felt throughout the entire force. This is the only profession. Like, if a colleague dies doing their job in New York, it's felt in California, Hawaii, Texas, Illinois. It's felt nationwide. If an accountant screws up somebody's taxes and the client becomes irate, shows up to the office and murders that accountant, say that accountant's in, like, California. Accountants in California are not going to know about that or be affected by it. Right. But in in this job, it's it's truly remarkable. Uh, you and I got, got the update for this officer um, in the middle While of the show. While we were recording, yeah. And because I have friends that work in Chicago yeah. and Cook County that were texting me as it was going on. And like it 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 brought our show to a halt. Like it it rocked both of us. We have no personal connection to this woman. But I do not know her. But so, we all are her. Right. That's my sister. Police Officer Ella G. French, Chicago Police Department. End of watch, Saturday, August 7th, 2021. Police Officer Ella French was shot and killed while she and her partner conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle containing three subjects at 60, 63rd Street and South Bell Avenue. So they end up taking these... The, the OMDB page is off a little bit, but they take these people out of the car... She's got one of them down by the, the trunk at the rear of the car. He makes his way back towards the car, gets a weapon, fires, shoots her between the eyes, takes off. There's a chase. The other officers, you know, in foot pursuit. Uh, the other male black, two male blacks and a female black. The two males are related. They're brothers. They take off. One of them ends up jumping a fence into the yard of a Hispanic birthday party or some kind of party. Those party partiers knew what was going on. They beat the crap out of this kid and, and held him for police, which was, there's a badass, a bunch of badassery yeah. right there. So right now the two guys are in custody. I'm not going to dignify them by saying their names, but Officer French was only 29 years old. And her tour of duty was three years and three months. 
It's three months more than I've been a cop. I know. It just makes me sick. The other one and, that wasn't on the list. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and, and what I think isn't being played up enough is that she was on a community, like a community support team, essentially. Yeah, that was her main, her job. So her job was to go out and to try to make a crime-infested community a little bit better. better. Just a little bit better. That's all she was doing. She's trying to make the community that she worked in better, safer. And these pieces of shit, these animals, these aren't even humans. Nope. Decided that it was time to take on the cops. And it turns out that through the investigation that they bought their weapon through a straw purchase from some guy in Indiana who purchased the firearm for them and is now out of jail with some bullshit bond stuff going. It's the federal thing. Yeah. Uh, he's out with a promise to come back to court. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be right on. You know, I, I know, I don't mean to turn this into any type of political topic that a lot of, a lot of us in this field are very anti gun legislation. And I am too, to a certain extent, but there has to be something in place where this guy in Indiana that purchased this gun for these two animals should be charged with murder. There's no reason why he, he shouldn't. I believe so too. He's the one that provided the implement of death. Yeah. We, we have to close some of these loopholes. Now, I mean, say what you want about gun control and the second amendment and shall not be infringed and the right to home defense, the right to have the well-armed militia in case of a tyrannical government. We have to start holding people accountable because we're not. What was, what was the old thing? I think it was Chris Rock used to have a, a joke of like, make bullets like $900 a bullet. Right. No one could <laughs> afford the bullet. They could have yeah. the gun. They can't, yeah, to... they can't afford to buy the bullets. Yeah. But we have to start with holding people accountable. For example, like California is supposed to be one of the most anti-gun states in the country, right? Did you know illegally carrying a concealed firearm in the state of California is a misdemeanor? However, should you carry a fixed blade knife concealed upon your person... That is a felony. Once again, we don't like, let's just start making sense just a little bit. Let's start looking. Let's maybe go back through, look at what we have on the books and go, does this make sense? Yes or no? If the answer is yes. Cool. We keep it. We enforce it. If the answer is no, let's get rid of it or let's change it. You can't, if you just try to legislate on top of legislation, you're not doing anything. You're putting lipstick on a pig. Let's actually dive into what we have and maybe start changing that. Yeah. So the whole area out here, obviously, Midwest is, you know, really shocked and yeah, in mourning of losing her. And, you know, we do this every week and we talk about these other officers 
and no one is was more important than the other one. This one just seemed to hit harder to me because it's right here in my backyard, you know? Yeah. But, uh, all right. The one second one I have, Brandon, wasn't on the Officer Down Memorial page. It was on police1.com. It was a Massachusetts police officer, Lieutenant Alan Lesueur. He was 60 years old. He was remembered as a compassionate and dedicated leader. 60, he died on duty due to a health concern. Medical emergency, maybe a heart attack. But he was months from retirement. So he was the other fallen officer this week. Yeah. No fallen canines. And we have a few heroes of the week, but I, I think what we're going to do is we'll just do one. And then we'll do our badass of the week. Well, I think that our hero good. and our badass are one and the same. Well, I have other heroes, not him, but we can just make him the hero and the badass of the week. Yeah, because... Uh, so why don't you do that he, and we'll go back to the other guys uh, next yeah. week. So... And any cop will tell you this. A good dispatcher is worth their weight in gold. They are... I call them the voice in my head. Because I have an earpiece I that connects earpiece to my as well. to my radio, so whenever they're talking, I like sometimes like turn my head to the side or I stop talking mid sentence, and I'll tell people that I'm saying like, "Sorry," it's, and I'll point to the the earpiece. I go, "It's the voice in my head." I use um, it to get out of talking to people. I just go, "Oh yeah, I, I, I do." Put that. my finger up to me and I go, "Oh," and I fake press the mic ten four, <laughs> and I say, "I gotta go." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. So. And, and not all dispatchers are created equal. Some are have the ability to be very calm in the face of chaos. And I, I don't think I could do their job because they never, they never get closure. Like anytime you hear a, an officer yell for, for units, for an emergency, it's, you know, for us, we're cops. We end up there. We see what happened we're able to at least have that closure of knowing you know everything like knowing what happened dispatchers don't get that 99.9 percent .9 of the time so chicago dispatcher keith thornton was working the channel that night of the uh the murder of officer french and there there's a couple versions of the audio going around. There's a, a one minute clip and then there's the full 10 minutes. I encourage everybody to go out, listen to it. Uh, it's very hard to listen to, especially if you're a cop because you know what's going on. But a lot of times, like just in day to day, if you get, you know, dispatchers who aren't above the standard, uh, and, and cops are guilty of this too, where they talk too much, right? Like you and I were talking about like younger officers will hear like somebody in a foot pursuit and then everybody has to get on the air and airtime is precious, especially if you're in a fight. I, I've been in fights where I've had to call for officers to come with their lights and sirens going. Um, 
and all you want is that air to be clear so you can put out what you need and everything else. So, and we have the clip. So what officer or what dispatcher Thornton does, he immediately hears that somebody's putting out emergency traffic. He immediately shuts down the air and goes and tries to identify the unit that needs help so he can start getting resources there. Gets the unit, gets what's going on, that he has an officer down. And the second that he gets the info that he has an officer down, he completely owns that air. Uh, at, there, there were multiple points during the 10-minute long recording where other officers are trying to come up on the air, you know, meaning well, and he more or less tells him, shut the fuck up. Keep my air clear. He immediately starts setting a perimeter, which I, I've maybe had one or two dispatchers do. <laughs> I've never had a dispatcher do that. I've had it happen one, like once or twice, and it was the same dispatcher that did it each time. He, once it's determined that officers are going to self-transport the wounded officers to the hospital, he starts guiding them. Like, hey, you're going to go eastbound on this street, northbound that street. At one point, one of the cars starts going to a different hospital that's not a trauma hospital. And he tells them, no, you're going to, I think it was University Hospital. You're going here. That's a trauma hospital. You're not going to a trauma hospital. I need you to go to a trauma hospital. And he's encouraging the officers, like, hey, get her vest off, start compressions, start rescue breaths. And when the officers who, I mean, understandably, are come back a little chippy of like, we've been doing it for 15 minutes, thank you very much. He, Perfect, you guys are doing great, keep it up. Guides them all the way in, and then uh, at the end of it is when when it, it just, it, it'll gut you. When they update the nature of injuries. That she's got a GSW between the eyes. That is the only time his voice cracks. He takes, I think it was five seconds, collects himself, gets back on the air and starts owning it again. And I think we have, we have a portion of it, Mike? We've got the whole thing. We can play the one minute clip that you sent first and we can play, I can't go to the middle of it, but I can start yeah. the 10 minute one. Let, let's let's listen to the one minute clip and then if you can, Get the longer one and then kind of fast forward it to the last part. That would be hard to do, but we'll try. Okay. Well, never mind. We can just do the one minute clip. Let's try. Okay. Mel Black, Blue, what you got? Right at the corner, six three and bell. I want a perimeter set up three blocks north. 
So that's the first opening minute. Yeah, and immediately, once he knows what he's got, I, at first I thought it was a sergeant taking over the air and setting up a perimeter. Me too, because I've never had dispatchers that know my town that well. Well, when we had in-house dispatching, they did. Yeah. But now we have, they're off-site. Mm-hmm. Half of them don't know my town. Yeah. They wouldn't know where to set up. And, and that's the benefit of having dispatchers that are dedicated solely to your city. Because when I'm looking we, at the camera because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, because even when we're setting up uh, perimeters, we'll ask for like, on like a burglary call, we'll ask for what we refer to as the seaside of the address, so the backside. And that's usually our dispatchers will go, yep, that's going to be, you know, one, two, three Main Street. And they'll start kind of helping us uh, plug stuff. But typically they, they don't get too involved other than giving us an address of what we ask for. But every now and then you get one who's like, nope, I need one here, 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 and here. Yeah, it was a, an amazing job by him. Hence him being the badass of the week. And I, I did fast forward to near the end, but it's hard for me to tell and pinpoint yeah. where you want me to pick it up, but we can just let it roll if you want. We'll see where yeah. we're at. You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, listen to me. Take that damn vest off right now and start compressions, start breathing, whatever we got to do, start it now. While you're driving, the officer in the back with her, take the vest off and start compressions now. You got the air. Okay, excellent. Keep it rolling, baby. Keep it rolling. We got to come in. They know you're coming in. And units that are at UFC Hospital, have those doors open for me. Have them open, guys. Have them ready. Units in the crime scene. He was off. Careful condition. One GSW to the head, it looks like. Go ahead, boy. We got the mail officer. He's here. They got him in the CR right now. Side door to the emergency room is open. Bring him through the emergency room side. All right, bring him to the emergency room side, guys. Guys, male officer going into the ER. Bring him to the emergency room. And the other female officer, please get her in there, guys. Make it quick. Be safe getting there, but make it quick. 726, my officer here is on the head between the eyebrow. Four. Three, repeat that last transition. Shot in the head between the eyes. Both officers unresponsive in the hospital. You will see. Keep the air clear. Hey, six, one, boy. Clark, you just showed up. Ten four. Ten four. Units secure the crime scene. If you're at the crime scene, secure the crime scene. Don't touch anything at the crime scene. That's it. I just can't. I I don't think there's much else to uh to say. To be able to keep your composure, even when you, I mean, you and I both know that's between the, between the eyebrows is, that's non-survivable. So that dispatcher, say his name again. Keith Thornton. Fantastic job by dispatcher Thornton. I saw a bunch of pictures of him on Facebook and stuff since then. And yeah. He's a guy who takes his job very seriously and knows his job very, very well. And so cares about his officers. Oh, yeah. And I know our dispatchers care about us a lot. I know a lot of them personally, and we're friends. Yeah. And it's nice to have that relationship with your dispatchers if you can have it. I haven't met 
okay, I won't say that. I've worked with very few dispatchers that were just, they didn't give a shit about anybody. I don't even know why they were doing the job. Some of them want to do the job, so they become dispatchers first. Yeah. But uh, most of our dispatchers, including my dad, who was my dispatcher for 15 years, and he had been a chief of police. My dad, knew, he would weed out the shit bullshit calls. Yeah. They'd call on 911. He'd go, this is 911. Call back on the other line. And they'd call him back on the other line and say the same damn thing. And then he'd go, this isn't a police matter, click. <laughs> Brass hated him. They loved my dad, but they didn't like how he just weeded out the stuff for us because they want to send us to all the bullshit. And he's like, nope, they're not going on that call. Yeah, so this they, guy. they want to show a high call volume so they can get more funding. Right. So uh, I just wanted to compose myself for a minute. Yeah, that's... I mean, my, my, Mike will most likely clean this up with uh, editing, but for for those of you, for us, that, that was, what, a good 20, 25 seconds of just, we, uh, neither one of us had anything to say. Like, we were busy composing ourselves. We, we've listened to that. We know how this goes. And it's still, every time you hear it, it just... You're there. Yeah, the, the fact that he has... He's already got officers listening to him that are at the hospitals and getting the doors open. You know what I mean? This guy is on top of his shit, and he's got... He directed them down the, what streets to use. He directed the people to go to those hospitals first. Other officers, get those doors open. They're coming here. It, just amazing. And we usually like to end on a... Good note, but unfortunately, that's how we're ending uh, the law enforcement portion this well, week. Well, I, I know we have a question this week. Is it law enforcement a, related it is or is it? Oh, it's oh not boy. law enforcement related. There's pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not what's your favorite uh, color. Ah, damn it. So we can go right into the woodworking segment from here. And that will, for me, will just be... Uh, I haven't been in the shop in like 10 days. I'm <laughs> so down here now recording, but I haven't yeah. worked in my shop because of work and side jobs and stuff. Yeah. So, so we're, we're on actually here. We're on the eve of install day. So giddy up. Yeah. So we are, uh, on Saturday, we're flying out to San Diego, San Diego for, San for, Diego. A, birth, for a birthday party San on a Diegans. boat. And, uh, is it Diegans or Diegans? San Diego. Maybe DA guides. I don't know. I'll have, to ask, I'll have to ask David Miller. So I I want to get the cart, at least the carcass assembled and put into the opening. Okay. And then I'm going to edge band and paint in place. Uh, probably when we get back, depending on how, how quickly we can get through stuff. Cause I got to get a haircut. Cause my, uh, my hair is getting you a little, get them all cut. A little long. Yuck, well, yuck, yuck. <laughs> so I got to, Get going on that after I finish the uh, morning coffee, but yeah, get going on that, and then, uh, and then one we'll have that wrapped up, and then we just got to figure out. So we have this opening is an awkward size; it's like eighty-two inches wide. Okay, and we've been trying to figure out doors. First, we were going to do uh, like bifold or trifold doors. Don't really like that idea too much. I feel like it's going to be wobbly or look hokey. So. We kind of settled on kind of 
a sliding door, kind of like two sliding barn doors. The only thing is, in, in order to save time, we kind of want to just buy, you know, kind of a ready-to-go one. Or not one, but we know we'll have to buy two. But they don't typically make doors that are 41 inches wide. <laughs> no, you got to get it. See, what's cool is you have a shop, so you could buy a door like my bathroom remodel that I'm doing, mm-hmm. I I took down the door that went into like the linen closet and I opened it all up, but now I'm going to put up, up just one bifold door, but I have to buy an oversized door and cut it down on my table saw. Yeah, so we could do that. So, yeah. But the problem is to get those doors that are going to be wide enough to even cut down is going to be a custom order door, which already... Instantly. Just to get you in the neighborhood of the size, and then you cut that down. Yeah, just but to if get you're, you no, there. if you're custom ordering, you can actually order the size you need. Yeah, I know. So if I'm going to custom order it, I might as well just yeah, custom order it. Yeah, then you don't need to it. cut it down. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to like up the price like two to three times because it's, quote, custom. So option B is going to be to go buy either some maple ply or birch plywood and uh, create, maybe stain it. Uh, we were talking like a dark walnut. And then uh, trim it out with uh, like one by four, and create our own barn door pattern. That'd be cool. So, and that'll play into the flooring that we're going to lay down, and kind of break up the white upper cabinets. So, this is like the first time I've ever really gotten into design, and it's actually kind of it's a lot funner than I thought it would be. Oh, I should be on a home remodeling design show. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So what do you? I've been watching this show on uh, on Discovery Plus. It's uh, like beachfront battle or beach something like that. It's it's a it's a beach house remodeling thing. It is it, similar to uh, what was Rock the Block. I enjoy Rock the Block, but I, I don't love, watch the beach house battle. Well, yet. I just I I stumbled across it and I've like been binge watching it. So I think you and I should form a team and go on one of these shows. Uh, would they have us? Well, probably not. I, th- I say we just show up. <laughs> they'd, they'd have to fly us in. Well, yeah. I think that's part of it. Uh, where would we do it? Because I'm not near a beach. I don't know. I'd, season two, wherever they do the next season. <laughs> like, we're not going to come up with this on our own. We don't have the money to do this, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. Did you Speaking of reality TV and being on reality TV, and I'm not talking about the WWE appearance I made last week. <laughs> Uh, did you ever watch Top Shot? Uh, here and there. I had three callbacks for that show. Really? Yeah, and what was really cool was you'd have to be gone for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So at the time, we had a different chief, and he really liked me. He's a friend. He actually is the chief of another department where my friend's the mayor, and they want me to come work over there. <laughs> so I said, hey, uh, chief and I've applied for this show I've gotten three callbacks and what are the odds that you'd let me go and he goes well what is it and I told him he goes you can go we'll just use it as training we'll write it off as training <laughs> like you're Give a man. Waste time <laughs> and I never got the fourth callback so but it Aww. was cool to go through the steps and almost get on that show that's awesome yeah I used to be quite the shot in the younger days there Brandon what happened then the Parkinson's set in 
Yeah, until my until I got LASIK surgery that ruined yeah, my eyes. <laughs> Crippling diseases are funny. Yeah. So we're switching to red dot sites. I know we're going off target here. Off target. We, red dot sites. <laughs> we actually just had a policy released where we can uh, transition to those if we want. Yeah, ours is coming. So I'm now shopping for my next duty weapon. And I reached out to a very good friend of mine who's a, an FFL and asked his price to get me this Sig Sauer P320 AGX Pro. Okay. Because it's already machined for their red dot site. Yeah. Our department will not let us put a red dot site on a weapon that's not already manufactured for it. And you can't, there are gun fit manufacturers that you can send out your weapon and they will then, you know, cut your slide to fit a yeah. red dot site, retrofit it. They don't yeah. want any of that shit. If you're going to have the red dot site, you need a weapon that was made to have the red dot site. Yeah, that's kind of what they're doing with us is they're not allowing us to uh, have a red dot um, mounted to our city issued gun. Okay. You have to go out privately, purchase your own, get an approved red dot site, have it professionally installed, inspected by the range, take a, a I think it's a 20 hour course uh, put on by our range staff and then qualify with it. Yeah, so that was the whole thing. So I want to get mine. We qualify in December next. Mm -hmm. I want to get mine before that, put in range time, do the quals, carry it for the last five months of my career, which seems kind of silly. But it's a great tool, and I want to use it. So I don't know how we Uh, got off on that. It's got nothing to do with my kitchen or my bathroom (laughs) remodel or your kitchen remodel. Or reality TV. or (laughs) Oh, oh, that's it. You said we should be on the show as home designers. Yeah, we should. And I think we'd be a fantastic team. I think we would win. I think we'd be walking away with the 50K. It's quite possible. Now, who would get the majority of that, or would we split it down the middle? We would split it down the middle, obviously. Okay, I just wanted to find out. Jeez, we, we try to do like a 60-40 split here? No, no, not that much. <laughs> 51-49? You know. And a half? Yeah. So you're ready to install some shit yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, so that's going to be as soon as I finish that second cup of coffee, because I'm a two-cup-a-day guy. Well, I'm uh, two cups just to get started, and then I have more during the day. Yeah, well, I try not to go to it. For a while, I had a pretty bad caffeine addiction for a while. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> do you get headaches if you don't drink enough coffee? Because I do. Uh, not anymore. Okay. Uh, once I got myself down to two cups a day, uh, it kind of normalized everything to where if, if I'm having a really tired day and I go for that extra, that extra cup or that extra uh, energy drink, it yeah. actually helps more than what my like eighth cup of coffee would have done. Oh, okay. I don't, when I'm at work, I have my one cup at the beginning of the shift. And I used to go for yeah. a cup at one o'clock in the morning and see my buddy Hank at the uh, mm-hmm. gas station. And then I always get Dunkin' at the beginning of the shift. So then by the time it was time for the second cup and I'd go to the Marathon gas station for their coffee, not the same quality coffee. And no. he would brew me a fresh pot, but it just tastes way different. So I just actually, I stopped. His wasn't gritty. The bean selection. I don't know what company it is. Uh, Probably Folgers. No, <laughs> I can picture the company in my head. Maxwell. But I'll just start naming stuff. No, it's none of those normal companies. Oh. It's not even Seattle's best, which is actually pretty good coffee. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, so anyways, you're going to be installing cabinets tomorrow? You will all be, yeah, assembling and then installing the cabinet carcass. And then uh, all the shelf pinholes have been drilled out. 
pie holes have been drilled out. So now it's just uh, gluing and screwing. Have you posted stuff on your feed with the build of the cabinets? Because I haven't been on Instagram in like 10 days. So I'm really bad with with this stuff where I get in the mode of just doing. And I don't think Do to it. like take a picture I know. of anything. And the next thing you know, like I'm done sitting back having a beer going, Look, oh, I have this shit. finished project. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost I'm, done. Damn it. I'm really good about taking pictures and stages for every house remodel I've ever done. I stop, I take pictures, but I, I'm not good about then posting said pictures. Yeah, so I, I've taken so. pictures of, like, once we started ripping the doors off the upper cabinets, and then once we got everything out, but that, that space has pretty much remained unchanged, and it was just breaking down plywood. So now we have all the plywood pieces. So I'll probably, I'm going to try to be... Uh, conscience, conscious of taking photos tomorrow and the kind of as we're assembling the cabinet carcass once we get it in there and then if we decide to paint and uh, or edge band and paint tomorrow then kind of as that process is going on okay but yeah well, you're getting closer than I am with the bathroom yeah yeah it's well and it's, we ended up t- starting this and then just getting busy. So I would have liked to have already been done with it, with this portion of it. Yeah. But we had stuff come up, family obligations, and then we have the birthday party this weekend. So it's taken a little bit longer because if I had my way, we would be done this weekend for sure. Like it'd be completely. That would have been really up. nice. Yeah. But. You know, some, sometimes you got to sacrifice some of the stuff you want to do for the stuff you should do. So it'll be nice to get a, get out of town for a night because we're flying out Sunday to San Diego, fly back Sunday morning, and then I go back to work that night. <laughs> oh, yuck. We're, we're going out of town on Monday, and I'll be back on Saturday, where hopefully we will then record the next podcast yeah. as I'm trying to flip my schedule back to a night schedule. All right, so what's the what's the question we have? We got a question. We got a question. It's actually geared towards me huh. because maybe this will be you in the future as well. David Miller, <laughs> our buddy, friend of the show, D. Miller Designs. Two, two-time Woodworker of the Week. Yeah, the first, the first Woodworker of the Week yeah. to win twice. And the he, first one ever. I think he was in episode one, wasn't he? Did he get a trophy? Was, I don't know. Okay. Probably not. Make him one. We should make him one. Yeah, no, I'm going to send him some stuff just to say thank you for how thing, for how cool. helpful he's been with uh, all things laser. Well, he his question was in reference to his CNC. So the question is, Mike, I have a CNC, same one as me, but really haven't started using it yet. Do you have any tips for beginners? And then he says, love the podcast, guys, and thank you for your service. So, David, thank you for your contribution to our podcast over and over, and it's my pleasure on the service part. So, yeah, when I bought my Shapeoko XXL, I was so scared. I have this machine. I was watching so many awesome makers use theirs, and, you know, it, it said, oh, you can set this up in, I think it was four to eight hours. Four to eight hours, not 48 hours. Yeah. 
and I had, I went online. YouTube, of course, is one of the best places to find research on setup for your Shapeoko. There are a couple phenomenal YouTubers that do Shapeoko uh, work. So while we're talking, because the question just came in today, I'm going to go to my library on my YouTube and because I have a library for just Shapeoko and CNCs. So in my Shapeoko folder, our Matter Hackers has a good tip about uh, the Shapeoko Matter Hackers. That's actually where I bought my machine from. Crafted Woodshop. Uh... Sean Hodgkins, he does a video called CNC Router Build, Shapeoko, XXL Build and First Cuts. It's S-E-A-N-H-O-D-G-I-N-S. How to make G-Code, G-Code lessons. G-Code, Brandon, is the language that communicates from your software to the machine to make it work. Uh, there are numerous sites as well for carbide 3d carbide create carbide motion those are the three things that run shapeoko and so i did all that i must have watched you know 10 hours of video to finally figure out how to set this thing up and then when it came down to actually starting a project they do a you do a test run with a sharpie that you put it you put the sharpie yeah on it and then it draws out you know, hello world or whatever the hell it, it's already pre-programmed <laughs> in there. Something like that. Hello world. Skynet has been activated. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so I did that. The main thing is you want to make sure you have a, a completely flat surface, which is really hard. And I, from all the videos that I watched, unless you build a steel framed table and weld it on a perfectly flat steel frame top, and the ground is perfectly level, you're not going to have a perfectly level surface. So I built an extension to my miter station off to the left that comes out further, and it's huge. It's out of four by fours. That's the surface I built for my table. And then one of the guys that was in uh, a group of mine on Instagram who had the Shapeoko, he put one-inch foam under his table, under his Shapeoko, solid like really sturdy foam because here's what i've learned there are three i'm going to say steel but they're really like metal metal and steel are, are different in my opinion so steel like structural steel is really heavy duty metal is just something that you bend and make into a shape there are three metal sections of the table that attach the back to the front and then on those three sections that run north and south you then put three-quarter inch MDF on top of that and secure it that way. And then I bought an additional MDF top layer with T-Track that goes on top of the wasteboard. But before I did all of that, I was really worried about sagging because apparently over time, the machine will sag because those metal braces that go from the front to the back with all that heavy MDF on them, it starts to sag in the middle, you know? So when you're doing a carve, you'll start having low spots in your wood, your woodworking, and it's the same level that you have your CNC set at won't cut in one part of the piece of wood that it will at the other piece of the wood because it's, you know, a thousandth of an inch off. So for me to combat that, I went to one of the big box stores 
and I bought square tubing, steel tubing. I think I bought three of them, three sections, 48 inches long. And then I put those square tubings under the metal table in the opposite direction. They run east to west, front of the machine, middle of the machine, rear of the machine, running east to west. And then you got the actual metal trays or whatever they call them of the machine running north and south. So far, I've had no sag. None. Then you have to you get a flattening bit. Whiteside makes a relatively inexpensive flattening bit. And you have to go through and flatten, flatten your waste board to make it square with your spindle. And sometimes you have to shim it with a piece of tin foil behind the spindle to bring it out one hundredth of an inch to the left, to the right. So it's just going to take fine-tuning. But just start searching on YouTube, Shapeoko XXL. You will find all kinds of amazing stuff. And when I got to the point where I was really frustrated, fortunately for me, I was able to contact Steve Clyde, SC Creates. Steve's a friend. We were talking at 1 in the morning. He's out in Utah. So it wasn't that late for him. It was still midnight. I think he's an hour behind me. But I was on the phone with him for an hour. I was completely frustrated. And he called me and talked me through some things. So basically, Dave, it's just a trial and error. But you can be prepared for some of the mistakes if you watch a lot of YouTube videos. And reach out to Steve. Andy Bird has two Shapeokos running right now at the same time, stacked on top of each other. Andy does a lot of... CNC work. I actually got to see his shop in Kentucky. He welcomed me into his home, and uh, that's when I had first got mine. And he, you know, pointed some things out to me. So don't be afraid to reach out to other guys on the on the channel, on in the Instagram community that are CNC guys. Because, you know, if you reach out, to, like Mike Coffee would let you know, but he runs a huge Laguna CNC. He doesn't have yeah. our tiny little shop CNC. <laughs> So you have to, and he's you have to talk to, get to a someone bigger else. One. Yeah, I know. You have to talk to someone that has the shape Oko because a lot, even the guys with the Xfinity, it's different than our setup. So I will tell you this, Dave. If you're going to be serious about using it, one of the things I learned from one of the guys on YouTube was, if we're using it for woodwork, and it's off one one thousandth of an inch, who the fuck cares? If I'm carving <laughs> the Batman sign, I don't care if it's one one hundredth of an inch not the same size on one end. You know what I mean? Because I'm not doing laser precise engraving. So you make it as best as you can, and that's it. You don't sweat it. What I found the best thing I ever did was upgrade the software. Carbide Create is a fine software, but it's not up to the standards (laughs) of Aspire. That's code for it sucks. It's okay. It's not. It's not. Great. You know what's funny is, so I, I bought Vetric VCarve Pro, and they also make Aspire Pro. And that software will work on probably 50 CNC machines. I, when I upgrade my CNC, that software will work on it. It so creates I, I, G code for all of them. So I think with Vetric, too, Veteran Woodco, I, f- I forget his name because I'm really tired. <laughs> he has his own, he, he's on Instagram. 
but he also has put out YouTube videos on like tutorials on uh, Vetric because he does oh, there's a, a ton of CNC, yeah. but he's actually run uh, like webinars to help tutor people through it that are having trouble with, you know, figuring out the software and something because there's a huge learning curve. Yeah, um, it's completely different the way you design stuff in Carbide Create and then Vetric in uh, VCarve Pro. That's the version I could afford. If I were to do it over, I would have got the 3D modeling software that also works as CNC software that Coffee uses and Christian Sap uses and all these other guys that design in that software. And then it just builds it and sends out the code. But right now, I'm, I'm, I forget what it is, what it's called. Oh, Fusion 360. I'm sorry, Fusion 360. Okay. <laughs> I do that too when I like remember something. I get really excited. Yeah, sorry. Whatever anybody else is doing, be damned. <laughs> uh, no, just from watching guys that have CNCs, it seems like Carbide is similar to the software that comes with the Ortor lasers. Because most people that run these lasers, they, they don't use the software that comes with it. They'll get light burn. Okay. And, and spend like the extra, I think it's 40 bucks. Um, that's not for the, bad for the less. No, it's, it's great for, especially for everything that, that Lightburn does. So I think it's kind of the same thing is you gotta, is finding a software that is compatible with you. Yeah. If you watch, like I'm fortunate enough that I have a 50 inch monitor in my shop that I use for television. And I can also throw something up there on YouTube while I have the software open on my desktop that runs the machine. So I'll bring up a Vetric V-Carve video on the TV and go right to the controls on my desktop, which runs the machine, and I can just pause it and do it step by step. That's how I learned it. The, the software is really not bad to learn. It's not a big learning curve for Vetric V-Carve. It's pretty intuitive. So it's not cheap. I think it was like 800 bucks. So. Ooh. It's an, it's an actual investment, and the only reason I invested in it because I knew it would go into my next larger CNC. I wouldn't have to ever buy it again. And watch a bunch of videos on that. Kind of a kind of a buy once, cry once sort of, a, sort of deal there. And then when you make enough money, you can upgrade to a different or better software. So, David, I hope those answers helped out. Uh, reach out to me anytime. You can DM me. I'll give you my phone number. And uh, if you have any issues, I can tell you how to add tool libraries and all that kind of stuff. I downloaded the Amana tool library and imported it into my VCarve, which you can't do on Carbide Create. But you can also search Amana tools. Look at the bit you're going to use. They will tell you there's a. You can get a, a download PDF of speed rates and feed and all that stuff that you can use and fine tune. So best advice is just start making shit stuff that you don't care about just to get it cutting and uh you'll start learning which bits you like and all like i'm still learning so that's what i uh, hope i was able to answer your question david and that's going to wrap up our little show 18th episode i want to do a woodworking shout out of the week 18th episode so while mike <laughs> ponders about who is deserving of because i know he's got options who is most deserving of woodworker of the week for him i want to throw a shout out to patriotic designs uh, law enforcement owned and operated they do cnc work 
um, they do a lot of really cool uh, badge carvings. Um, I've seen a lot of them that they've done that go kind of up and down the uh, the Central Valley, like Fresno PD, Fresno SO, um, Sanger PD, which is a really small town out that way that unless you are from that area like I am, you don't really know it. Um, so they do a lot of awesome stuff for the coppers out in the Central Valley. And uh, I know a couple people who have some of their, their work and they are they absolutely love it. So the work you do is awesome. And uh, if you haven't been checking them out, you should absolutely go check them out. Patriotic Designs over on Instagram. Good call. I follow them. And I am going to suggest Eric Cole of Valhalla Woodworks. Eric was a winner of mine, one of my giveaways, and I actually did the Marine bottle opener for him, which is like by far my favorite bottle opener of all time. He's got the blood red stripe and the blue, like the pants. He's got his sergeant rank uh, in gold with the gold opener. He's got, uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran. He's been, his channel's been growing. He does flags, which is cool because, you know, being a flag guy, I like to see all the other flags. And he just does really good work, and he's a Marine. So I'm going to give Eric my shout-out of the week because he deserves it. He's also selling hats. He's got a cool logo. It's very cool. And now you can purchase one of his hats. So I actually got to get one. And he actually asked me a question in reference to the CNC as well. So I got to actually get back to him. So those are our woodworking shout-outs of the week. And our question of the week. So thanks, David. I will be sending out a sticker to you. I'll DM you to get your address. And Brandon's sending you some stuff too. I think a car. Don't worry about it. I'll send him. I'll send him the sticker. Oh yeah, you've got that. I'll just include. Yeah, I'll just include it with the stuff I'm gonna okay. send. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, thank you for listening. I just gotta find. What? I just gotta find the right damn screw for this freaking laser. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks, Brandon, for helping out again. I, I love you, man. You're my brother from another mother on the West Coast. Everybody remember, new episodes of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast are available every Wednesday after midnight Central Standard Time early on the West Coast. So if you get in your squad at 10 p.m., you can listen while you're on patrol. We are available everywhere, no matter what you hear from someone else. You punch in that name on the computer, you'll get it. And Brandon, if someone would like to send in a question like David did this week, what do they do? Well, they could be like David and send a DM to the show's Instagram page at Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast over on IG. Or they could send it to you at MMN Nightmaker. Like, do you like that? I'm not like trying to challenge myself to say it. No, faster. you do it so good now. Wait till I change my name again. And yeah, I know. And now I'm going to screw it up again. It's going to be great. Or they can send it to me at Full House Woodworking. Or they can send an email. To handcuffs and sawdust podcast at gmail.com. Man, you are a pro. If I didn't know it any better, I think you were doing this for at least 18 weeks. Please. All right, everybody be safe in the shop <laughs> and on the street. Peace. Deuces.